Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. EV6GT, the most powerful Kia ever crafted. Right across South Australia, this is Sports Day. Welcome to the summer edition of Sports Day SA on Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. You will hear that Sports Day SA every weeknight from 6pm with me, Paul Bonza. And tonight, sitting in the co-host chair, it's uh, Dan Menzel, former Geelong Cat, former Sydney Swan Premiership player with the Mighty Eagles here in the Sample. How you going, Mint? I'm going well, Bonds. It's a uh, pearl of a day today. I drove in here and drove past North Adelaide Golf Course and saw plenty on the course and thought, what a what a better day could you get Glorious. today? Everyone obviously having a day off for Australia Day. What a wonderful day to have a hit on the golf course, go for a walk, go for a run. Um, plenty to do today. Big show coming up. We were doing an Australian Open update. The Joker just keeps sliding along. Uh, BBL finals are right around the corner. We'll see how that plays out. Now, Menz, you've got your AFL analysis. It's Thursday night. Which two teams you got for us tonight? Gold Coast tonight and the GWS Giants. So the two expansion clubs, really looking forward to breaking them down and looking at how they'll fare in season 2023. Toddy Gray from Greyhound Racing will be with us as well. So hopefully he can tip some winners for you. And the coach of the Adelaide Giants, Chris Adamson, will join us later in the show as well as they uh, hit the playoffs. Huge weekend coming up for our Adelaide Giants uh, this weekend, taking on Auckland. So can't wait to ask him some questions about that matchup. Okay, let's get into our Australian Open update. It's all thanks to Kia EV6 GT, a pinnacle of engineering, the most powerful Kia ever crafted. Sports Day SA. You're unbelievable. On Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. Djokovic defeated Rublev last night. 6-1, uh, sorry, 6-2, 6-1, 6-4. He's through to the semis. He'll play Tommy Paul. Looked too easy, didn't it? Yeah, it did. It, and it has uh, he knocked off the demon in the same fashion He's going for his 10th Australian Open and he looks as good as he's ever been. So Novak uh, will take on Tommy Paul, who only dropped his first set of the whole tournament against Blake Shelton uh, and uh, Ben Shelton, sorry, in the game yesterday. So he's in some form as well. I mean, I'm not sure the form will stack up against Novak, but uh, he's playing well. He is. Ben Shelton, it's a pretty good story for the uh, Aussie Open. First time out of the US and gets through to the quarterfinals. Great, great story. And it's the Americans have been the story of yes. the Australian Open this year. They have been the ones who knocked out. Let's just remember earlier in the tournament when Rafael Nadal got knocked out, Daniil Medvedev got knocked out, both by Americans. Uh, they were the uh, giant killers earlier in the tournament. Um, so Alexei Popperin unfortunately lost as well to an American. So they have gone very well in this tournament. And uh, I think it will end, though, against Novak in the semifinal. Well, let's have a listen to Novak and how he compares his form this season with past. Tough to compare because I've I've been fortunate to really live through a lot of success uh, in Australian Open. But last two matches, playing against two guys that are really good players, informed players, 
to beat them uh, dominantly in three sets is something that uh, is definitely something that I want in this moment, something that sends a message to all my opponents remaining in the draw. And so with this kind of game, of course, the confidence level rises, uh, considering, as you mentioned, the circumstances. So I feel good on the court, better and better as the tournament progresses. I've been in this situation so many times in my life, in my career. You know, never lost the semifinals in Australian Open, and hopefully they'll stay, that will stay the same. Novak Djokovic there and Bonds. Talk about confidence. Uh, never lost a semifinal here in Australia. He is so happy with his game at the moment and how he's playing, and it is showing on the court as well. He tomorrow takes on Tommy Paul. That one, I think, will be a pretty foregone conclusion, what's going to happen in that. It's the other one for mine that I'm interested in seeing. Yeah, Sitsipas plays catching uh, off. Yes, who... Um, who beat Sebastian Corda in a walkover. So he won seven six six three three 3 love So he's fresh and he's playing yep. well, catching off. We know that uh, Sitsipas is in some really good form as well. He beat Lehechka uh, from the Czech Republic in straight sets as well. So that is going to be a great game. That, they will both be on tomorrow afternoon and tomorrow night. So for mine, it will be Novak and whoever is better in catching off and Sitsipas that will take on each other in the final. And what about the women's semis? Yeah, the women's semis are tonight. So there's some uh, real interest around this because we don't have any of the top four seeds in there. We've got Sabalenka, the number five seed. She, that's in the second game. She takes on Magda Lynette, who is unseeded from Austria. And in the other game, it is Rob Aquino, who's been playing extremely well against yes. one of your favorites, Azarenka. Yes, uh, I'm on the Azarenka bandwagon, turning the clock back. And I, I think she goes through to the final. I think it'll be a Azarenka Sabalenka. Final. Azarenka Sabalenka. I agree. Just for rhyming in itself. That sounds good. Correct. Azarenka knocked off Pergula, who was the number three seed in the world, 6-4-6-1. She dominated her. So in saying that, Rybakina did absolutely smash Ostapenko as well. So they're going to be some great games tonight. The men's looks like it's a bit more obvious to pick. You never know. But the women's is really up for grabs. And so the women's semifinals you can catch tonight. And then their final will be on Saturday night. The men's semis tomorrow with the final Sunday night. Yeah, if you're listening to SENSA, we'll be crossing to Melbourne Park uh, after our second segment tonight. It's about 6.30. Um, All right, time for the hot topic. Thanks to Repco Authorised Service Centre. You can rely on your local Repco Authorised Service Centre for expert car service. Book online at repcoservice.com. Sports Day SA. On Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. BBL finals are here, men's. So they are on tomorrow and two big finals yesterday. Classic cricket and almost uh, classic muck-ups, I'll call them. (laughs) Yeah, you you couldn't have scripted yesterday's game. So the Hobart Hurricanes... They were playing at home against the Brisbane Heat. And so if the Heat were to win, they would have locked up third spot, which would be a double chance. And so they required just 10 runs off the last two overs. They still had four wickets in hand. It looked like it was done. And then in the last 11 balls, they hit 1-6 with 10 dot balls and fell short. An incredible last over from Tim David, who uh, bowled dot ball after dot ball, to Baisley, who couldn't get near it. And then he comes out and bowls a full toss, which is questionable as to whether it was a no ball. He got Tong for six, and it looked like, okay, the Heat's going to win this. They still managed to hold on the there, Hurricanes. There's no question about it. It was a no ball. He he played, it was well above waist tight. He hit it for six. It should have been a free hit. Umpires didn't call it. So 
surprisingly, the Hurricanes hang on. They and hang. They jumped into the final for about three hours. Three hours, and then the Sydney Thunder came out and knocked off the Melbourne Stars, who also did it in difficult fashion as well, to leapfrog them back into the final. So the way it finished, the standings on the table, the Scorchers on top, the Sixers in second, the Renegades third, the Thunder fourth, and the Heat fifth. So how does that look, Bonds, for the playoffs and the finals coming up. The Eliminator, which is tomorrow. It's the Thunder v. the Heat at the Sydney Showground. So four plays five. Uh, the Qualifier is on Saturday. The Scorch is taking the Sixers at Optus Stadium over in Perth. That'll be a cracker. That will be a cracker. Now, the Scorchers finished on 11, three, 11 wins, three losses. The Sixers, 10 wins, three losses, one no result. The next team was the Renegades with seven wins and seven losses. The Scorchers and the Sixers were so far out in front, as they have been in the Big Bash entirety over the duration of the tournament. They were dominant this year. They take each other on in the qualifier. I I'm not I don't think we'll see another team in the final this year, Bonds. Uh, whoever wins out of the Scorchers and Sixers goes straight through. And then the loser will take on uh, the winner of the uh, knockout game. So, yeah, so the knockout game is Renegades versus the winner of Thunder and Heat. Yes, correct. So Look, it's uh, it's it's still up for grubs, and we have talked about in Big Bash in the past. Teams have come from fourth and fifth to be able to go all the way, and we could see that happen. But the Strikers, it was disappointed they didn't make it. But with the form that the Scorchers and the Sixers are in, I'm not sure that we would have done any damage anyway. You're picking a winner? Uh, I'm going to stick with my Sydney Sixers that I picked at the start of the tournament. Uh, I yes. had them as my winner, and I had the Melbourne Stars as my biggest disappointment, which I think will play out because the Stars – finished on the bottom of the table and were the only team that was more disappointing than the Strikers. Correct. Um, I'm going to stay with the Scorchers. So I think they'll win at Optus Stadium and they'll go straight through to the final. Uh, I'd love to see the Renegades make it. Yeah. It Just would, for Finchie. Yeah, Finchie. Kane Richardson as well. Yeah, Richard. He's been yep. around for a long time. Sean Marsh is in that team as well. There's a few other guys that have been – Jono Wells as well, a former yes. striker. So – would be good to see the Renegades go well, but uh, the absolute class of the Scorchers and the Sixers has really shone through in this big bash. A bit of sample news today, men's, and you would have yes. known this. Uh, the sam- part of the sample fixture, well, round one has been announced, and it starts with the Mighty Eagles, your blokes, uh, taking on the Red Legs, on the a, Premiers. On a Friday night. Friday night, the 31st of March, at uh, out at Nord at Cooper Stadium. The Eagles take on the Red Legs to open up the sample season. Cannot wait. I love Friday Night Footy Bonds. It's what a way to do it against the Premiers, the reigning Premiers from last year. At their home deck, they'll unfurl the flag there. Uh, it's going to be a cracking game up first. So I'm looking forward to that. March 31. What are the other games that we'll see on Saturday? South Place Centrals at uh, Flinders University Stadium at 2 o'clock. Cert play Glenelg at Wigan Oval. Uh, at Unley, two, uh, 2 o'clock as well. North play West at Prospect. So, tough one for Westies. It is. First up, you'd think. However, you never know. They played well there last year. Yep. And Port play Adelaide. It's a showdown yes. in the AFL. So, it's a showdown in the Sample. Adelaide Oval, 3.30. It's a great way to do it. You've got your blockbuster clash there with the Power and the Crows before the main game in the AFL. You've got the Premiers playing on Friday night against Woolworths Tyron, so uh, a really good one there. And there's some other really nice matchups in there. It's Sturt and Glenelg. McBean talked about it. He loves playing at Sturt, so, so he'll be happy with that fixture first up in round one. But, uh, yeah, it's great to see. The rest of the sample season will be announced next week, which yes. I'm really looking forward to seeing. But um, 
Oh, I'm pretty happy with that first up fixture for us Eagles boys. Taking on the reigning premiers, you'll see where you're at in round one. Absolutely. And um, you had a good game there against them last year as well. I I can't wait for the sample season. Um, with a bit of luck, you might be involved doing some special comments with myself. I'm looking forward to uh, calling the games across the sample season. I cannot wait. Uh, we might get Bryce Gibbs involved as well. Little rumours, just throwing them out there. Yes, yes. Maybe round one too, actually, Bonds. If we're playing Friday night, I might uh, see how we go Saturday, check in on one of those games. But um, no pressure to anyone who's <laughs> making those decisions. Uh, but uh, no, it's going to be great. It's uh, What is that? That's... We're literally two months away from the season. Well, you got starting. trial games were announced this week as well, so you got them coming up within a couple of weeks. Uh, at uh, you're playing a bit all over the shop, yeah. Teddy and yeah, there's three different games there, so every team will run through a number of players in there, and and we'll get to see some of the new additions for each club, which will be great. Tire power, get three of sorry, you get four for three on Kumo passenger tires and SUV tires. Your trusted tire experts. That's tire power. Coming up, we're going to speak to Todd Gray from Greyhound Racing. This is a summer edition of Sports Day SA with Paul Bonza and Dan Menzel. A pinnacle of engineering, Kia EV6 GT, the most powerful Kia ever crafted. Right across South Australia, this is Sports Day. You're listening to the summer edition of Sports ASA on Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. Paul Bonza and Dan Menzel with you. And uh, we're going to speak to a guy we love speaking to, man. He's always up and about. He's full of life. It's Todd Gray from Greyhound Racing. Greyhound Racing SA, no one runs the dogs like South Australia. Sports Day SA. Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. Todd Gray, another Thursday means more greyhounds. Uh, it does indeed. Uh, what better day could you ask for, lads? It's actually perfect conditions for a bit of racing. So um, let's hope we can go a bit better than we have the last two weeks and try to get two for two. We have no worries finding one, but oh, you can't brag with one. I want to brag. I haven't had a brag in a while. Yeah, I picked the wrong one last week. Uh, anyway... <laughs> <laughs> what's your what's your best bet this week, my friend? Well, my best bet tonight, lads, is um, one actually very juicy odds here, and uh, some people might think I'm a little bit of a, a nutter here, but I'm, I like race five, number six. It's smudgy. Uh, you can get around about eight or nine dollars at the moment. Now, there's only two dividends here, but and I, I reckon she's a massive chance at the top two. Now, I'm going against the dog I thought would win the John Gray last week in Harry, but uh, it's smudgy beat Harry home in the John Gray final last week. Now, the reason that the odds are so big here is that it's over the 595-metre trip. Smudgy's never been over the 595, while Harry's had five starts, five wins from box one, and four out of those five have been over the 600. Um, but I reckon Smudgy leads. She was half a length away from making history last week and being the first dog to win the John Gray Memorial for two years. She was an absolute moral beaten last start. I reckon she leads tonight. I have no worries about the extra 70 metres of distance. Her last sections have been fantastic. If she leads, there's only one danger, and that is Harry in box one. But there's a dog in this race called Miss Scallywag in number three. I reckon it's going to jump well, and it's going to put, put its rear end right in front of Harry at the start and make it very difficult for Harry to kind of manoeuvre into the race. And while that's happening, Smudgy will be off and gone, building up a nice lead, and probably big enough where she could even get the old tippy-toes the last 50 metres and still hold on. So 
At $8, I reckon she's... Look, there's only first and second here. We don't want to finish third. It's the worst place to get the bronze, but she is just over the odds. I reckon she can run a massive race at odds. Toddy, that's a great summary of your best bet, which is race five, number six. It's smudgy at 8 or $9. Take that. What's your value bet for the night? Well, funny enough, at the moment, the value bet's actually less odds than the best bet at the moment. This has been expecting the last... Um, this has been specced in the last hour, lads. So uh, race two. Now, we're going into Maiden here. Race two, number eight, Billman's Bounce. Now, it ran a great race at Gawler last start. Like, it was over to 643 metres, and it carved out some great sectionals early. It went like the Clappers the first um, two-thirds of the race. Did fall in the hole the last 50 or 100 metres, so to drop back to the 530 will be great. Look, as long as that hasn't really, you know, knocked her rear end in or left her a bit flat or anything, having that run last week over that distance, I reckon she's a massive chance of getting into a very nice position here, second or third early. God forbid, if she happens to lead, I'd go the early crow. But there's not a lot of pace in this race. I just reckon, based off her run last week, yeah, if she isn't flat from that run, which Neil Mann, the trainer, he's smart. He knows what he's doing. I don't reckon she will be. I reckon she can just run a really good race from box eight, either at the uh, each way odds, around about six, seven bucks. There you go. So race two, number eight, Billman's bounce there as the value bet. Now, Toddy, one more question I've got for you. The races tonight are across 530 metres, 595 and 730 metres, which I would have to say is my favourite to watch. I'm going to ask you the question, oh, yeah. what's your go? No, copy and paste exactly what you said. I love watching the stayers going. I mean, it's just the, adre- like, get the adrenaline going, the watching dogs come from a mile back and just seeing the dogs in full flight. And over that distance as well, if you find a little bit of trouble or copper bump and that, you still the dogs have enough time to kind of get themselves back on track, and it's not the end of the race. We're over 300 metres or 400 metres. One bump can be the difference between the gold and last. Um, no, I do. I love the distance races. And if anyone ever wants to see one of the best runs you ever see, it's one of my favourite dogs. Just type in a dog called Bold Trees in the YouTube and just watch some of the replays when it used to win over the 700 metre distance. I swear I've watched them 20 times. I know it wins, and I still watch the replays now and just think it cannot win. It's a massive run. <laughs> Pity he couldn't uh, back it again on YouTube. Oh, I know. Oh, it's just, it's just yeah, over the distance, you can just see some absolutely phenomenal efforts. You know, efforts you shouldn't be able to see dogs do. It's fantastic. So, completely agree. The longer the distance, the more I like. Well, and it is a perfect night for it down at Angle Park. Beautiful conditions out there. And as you've just touched on, Toddy, race four, you've got to make sure that's the 730-metre race tonight. So that's the one for the stayers. And it should be a really good card down there at Angle Park tonight. We do. Plenty of versatility, plenty of depth and plenty of talent. So beautiful night for all. Thanks, Toddy. Love your work. We'll speak to you soon. Cheers, legends. Always a pleasure. For expert Greyhound Racing tips, follow at the dogs SA on Twitter or check out Greyhound Racing SA on Facebook. Love talking to Toddy. Again, I say it every week, I think, Bonds. His passion is, uh, you can hear it through the phone line, and it's great to hear. He's given some value tonight as well on both. So uh, if he can go two from two tonight, credit to him. You can stream every NFL game live this season on NFL Game Pass. Visit nflgamepass.com even. Coming up on the show... Men's, you've got your AFL analysis Thursday night. Uh, tonight, it's GWS and Gold Coast. It is. There's two the two expansion teams that I'm looking forward to get into. Two of the teams that I've found harder to rank this season in terms of where they'll finish on the ladder and uh, and maybe some questions about their depth that they have as well. But um, can't wait to get into those two teams tonight. And also the man in charge of the Adelaide Giants, Chris Adamson, will join us. If you want to be part of the show, text in. 0427 154 
1-866-166-166. If you're an Adelaide Giants fan, give us a question for Chris Adamson. Coming up very soon on Sports Day SA. A pinnacle of engineering, Kia EV6 GT, the most powerful Kia ever crafted. Right across South Australia. Welcome back to the summer edition of Sports Day SA on Cruise 13.23 with Paul Wanza and Ken Farmer medalist Dan Menzel. Dan, it's a massive weekend for the Adelaide Giants this weekend and our next guest is brought to us by Tire Power. Think safety this January. Get the five-minute tyre safety check at your local tyre power. Sports Day SA. On Cruise 1323 and 1629 SEN SA. From the Adelaide Giants, it's their coach, Chris Adamson. Chris, welcome to the summer edition of Sports Day SA. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, congratulations on winning the division. 25 and 15 was your win-loss record. What do you think have been the strengths this season with your team? Uh, I mean, the, we've got a pretty resilient bunch. You know, there's been some adversities over the journey, you know, both in-game and, you know, from week to week. And just the way the guys have bounced back and maintained their self-belief has been something that's it's been pretty cool to be a part of, to be honest. So, yeah, I'd say they're a pretty resilient bunch, and I think that's been one of the highlights for me personally. Now, Chris, uh, finishing on top of your division means that you get to get the home finals this weekend. How much of an advantage in it? Everyone knows with different sports, there's bigger advantages in some than others. How much of an advantage is it having the home finals this weekend here in Adelaide? I, I think it's a big deal. Obviously, there's the you know the obvious stuff like playing in front of friends and family and sleeping in your own bed and all that kind of stuff, but. You know, West Beach, where we where we play down there, is it's a unique place to play. You know, it's right in the ocean, so the wind blows, you know, in primarily. So the way you have to play that field is a little bit different. So, you know, we try to make it a little bit of a fortress. So we were trying to do all we could last week to give ourselves a chance at, to host the play- playoffs. And, you know, we're luckily enough we got an opportunity and, you know, can't wait for the weekend. So you talked about it being a unique place to play down at West Beach, uh, just off the ocean there. Does that mean that it potentially it's a batter-friendly or a pitcher-friendly uh, diamond? And then if that's the case, do you build your list around that at all? Yeah, so it's a, it, primarily it's a bit more of a pitcher's park. So, you know, the, generally speaking, the wind blows in from the ocean. So that's like where our field is situated and the angle of it. That's kind of straight in from right field. So, you know, you can hit some balls pretty good. They just get caught up in the wind. So it's a good place for guys to come and pitch, but... But our hitters, have, you know, that, that's another example of their resiliency. You know, it's not necessarily a, a perfect place to hit, but, you know, they've made some adjustments with that. And, uh, and the, to the second part of your question, it, it do, definitely does come into play, you know, with how we structure our lineup, whether it's more, you know, left-handed heavy or right-handed heavy if we do look at the weather and what, what types of pitches give, us, give ourselves the best chance. So there's a little bit more behind the scenes that goes into it. So, yeah, the weather is absolutely a factor and it's, it's something that we can't ignore. Chris, you set up your season with a 12-game winning streak. Have you ever been involved in uh, that sort of streak before? I have not. That was uh, that was pretty special. That was something that, you know, we've, obviously we weren't really talking about it. It was just something, but, you know, the way in which we, we tied the record and then obviously beat it in that last game was just something that was it was really cool to be a part of. And, 
and something that yeah I'll definitely remember because just the way the guys got around one another and how much it meant it was it was really something that was cool and you know in sports there's a lot of good things um, to be around individually but in this was just an example of a whole bunch of guys coming together and doing something pretty cool that hopefully will be remembered so that was that was really special and it was and it was something that put us in a good position for the rest of the season. Now, Chris, we take on Auckland this weekend. Uh, We had a really good finish uh, to the year against them in a four-game series in Auckland with a 3-1 victory in that small series. Does that give you a lot of confidence going in against that lineup? Yeah, it does. It does. It's... uh... It's something they're, they're still a really good team, and obviously every team in the in the playoffs is like they're they're all of high quality. But it's a, you know it's a little bit of confidence for the guys, but they also understand that you know the playoffs is a different beast, and they've got they've got some really good guys on their team with with quite a bit of experience. So you know we're we're just we've done a lot to prepare ourselves as best as we can, and we'll be ready for them. And ultimately, you know, hopefully we can take care of business and come out the other side. I want to ask you about Nick Ward. He's had a, a fantastic season, 54 hits, averaging uh, 344. Tell us a little bit about Nick Ward. Oh, he's been amazing. He's, uh, you know, he's come in and, you know, the, the numbers speak for themselves. But just the way he's, you know, assimilated into a clubhouse, he was new to the team. And, you know, he he took on a leadership role just inadvertently, just by the way he carries himself. He's a, like, consummate professional and the way he prepares on a daily basis is super consistent. And to see him... Not only have the success, but also, you know, sign that contract with the Philadelphia Phillies in the States has been something that, you know, it's really cool to be a part of. And, yeah, we're, I'm very thankful that he's on our team, that's for sure. The other one we want to ask you about is the captain, Jordan McArdle. Now, he's been on fire lately. In his last seven games, he's nine for 22 with five home runs. Uh, is he the danger man, I guess, for Auckland and who you're hoping to keep going come the playoffs? Oh, absolutely. You know, he... It's really cool to see him do what he's doing. Like he's, you know, he's had some tough times in his life, and just to see what he's doing right now, it's, it's, it's incredible to be honest. And you know, he, he's dealt with a lot of adversities personally, and just what he's doing, like he, he's one of the the few guys in our team. He's got a full time job and posts up, and he's been the backbone of our team for pretty much the entire year. So, to see what he's done is is amazing, and you know, I have no no worries about him continuing that throughout. But again, there's a lot of stuff off the field that he brings, which is which is immeasurable. And, and just to see what is happening, you know, it's I'm wrapped for him. It's really it's really fun to watch. You worked out who you'll be your starting pitcher on uh, Friday night yet, Chris? Yeah, so Jordan Fowler will go in game one and Dylan Unsworth, our South African sensation, he'll go on the on Saturday night and then uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, if Sunday's required, we'll see where we're at. But, uh, yeah, we're going to do all we can to win the first one and then see how we go. But, yeah, Jordan Fowler, he's going to have the ball. Um, in the first inning of game one. So, Chris, I just want to ask about that with Jordan Fowler and, I guess, the impact on games that you have as the coach slash manager. In the Major League Baseball, we see uh, teams go to their bullpen regularly. How how deep would you like these guys to go before having to call upon the bullpen? Um, so, I mean, it's a little bit of a cliche where the, the game will dictate, but... Um, you know, we're, we're lucky. So this series being a little bit shorter than normal with only being a three-game series as opposed to a four. So, you know, we're, we're going to have plenty of arms ready to go in the bullpen. So if he's cruising, we're going to we're going to let him go. He's earned the right to, you know, get himself into some stuff. And if he if he needs help, we're, we're going to have his back. But, but he's earned the right to go deep in the game. So, you know, if we got five or six innings from him and then hand it over the bullpen, hopefully with a lead, we'll be in a really good position. And I'd like where we're at. What do you need to do to get the win over Auckland? Simple question. 
Yeah, I mean we can we can score more runs than them, but uh, that's yeah. probably overly simplified. <laughs> but uh, no, I think uh, right now the big thing for us is free bases. So if we, you know, if we throw strikes and and limit walks for them, and you know when they put it in play, if we if we catch the ball and look after it and don't make too many errors, and I think we're going to be in a really good spot. So probably the biggest thing and what we've been talking about is just, you know, limiting free bases this week because our lineup's going to, going to be good enough and we'll score some runs, but uh, it's just a matter of limiting them as best we can. So I'd say free bases is a big key for us this week. Now, Chris, we dropped a couple of games uh, leading into the playoffs of late. A question I've got for you is, how much uh, were you guys in each series going, yep, it's right now, we are here in the moment, or was there a slight look towards potentially if we make playoffs, these are the little things we might tinker with? Um, yeah, there is a little bit of that. You know, obviously we're doing all we can just to win on that given day. But, you know, some of those, you know, there was times that we had to see some people go through some adversities, you know, to see see how they react and see, you know, what their damage control was like and a bunch of different things like that. So, you know, one one thing that we kept reminding, like it, there was two ways to look at everything, you know, like we put ourselves in a good position with the win streak, but just get, being able to go through some of those tougher times really, you know, made us learn a lot about ourselves from a physical perspective, from a mental perspective and how we bounce back. So a lot of those things, it's, uh, it was a little bit of both, if I'm honest. So we're, we're obviously trying to win that game, but we're also seeing, you know, how people react and how they go when when the fire's the hottest. So I like where we're at, and I, I think us going through some of those, you know, rougher times throughout the year is going to really put us in good stead for the next few weeks. Chris, you mentioned a three-game series for the prelim final. What about the the big one, the big dance, the grand final? Is that over three games as well, or is that stretched out to five? Uh, yeah, so that is just three, but that, that's actually a little bit different in the, in the sense that we, uh, whoever's the top seed, so they'll actually choose whether whether or not they want, you know, games two and three at their place or if they want game one at their place. So there's a, probably a little bit of strategy in that. Um, and I'm sure there's probably a follow-up question, what, what would I choose? Which yes. right now I'm not, quite, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure what that is. But uh, but I think, um, yeah, so it's a little bit different. So if Brisbane get through this week, then they'll be the top seed and they can choose. But, you know, if they got rolled and we got through, then we would be the top seed and we would have to make that decision. So... Um, yeah, I mean, we love playing here, and if there's an opportunity to potentially celebrate um, in front of friends and family and a you know pretty hungry baseball community, given that it's been 43 years, I think um, you know I think we'd lean towards that. But but that wouldn't just be me making that decision; it'll be you know some front office people and coaching staff, and and ultimately the players as well. So, um, but we've got to get there first. So right now we're just we're just thinking about this weekend and and do all we can to play for another week. Chris, we wish, wish you all the best. We know you're going to go well and uh, get the result and move on to the big dance. Good luck. Thanks very much, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Chris Adamson, the coach of the Adelaide Giants. Yeah, really interesting there, Bonds. Um, I want to fire it at you. What would you do if we do happen to win and make it through to the championship sh- series? Would you, as Chris talked about there, have game one, if you had the choice, at home and potentially play game two and three away if it goes to that, or would you play away for the first one and then two and three at home? Uh, in, the heart says two and three at home because then you win it at home in front of your home fans. Yep. But I think getting the advantage of winning the first game in a three-game series is probably more important. So I'd play the first one at home. Interesting. I would go the other way. The other way, yeah. I would go the other way and go with the mindset, let's steal game one. Uh, let's just yep. let's swing. Let's go for it. Nothing to lose here. We win game one. It's almost home. We're going home. It's almost home. We're going to win one yep. or two. 
Um, the other thing that probably it would be determined by is your starting pitcher. Correct. If you had a gun starting pitcher, you could back them in an away park yes. to get the job done. If you were a little bit unsure on your starting pitcher, you might want to have that game at home. It's a, it's a great question, uh, but you can catch, if you have not been down to West Beach, go. the Giants, uh, tickets have been selling fast. Uh, Dan and I went there uh, earlier in the season, along with Sam, our producer. Uh, we had a fantastic night. Game one is Friday night at uh, 7 o'clock down at West Beach. Game two, Saturday night, same time, and if required, Sunday at 6 p.m. Uh, so uh, they play the Auckland, um, what's their name? Uh, the Auckland Tatura. Tatura. Tuatara. Yeah. Tuatara. That's how Auckland you pronounce Tuatara, it. Sorry. Um, yeah, so they uh, they will take them on and should be a cracking game, and I'm sure the Giants will get through to the big dance. Per- it's perfect gone. warm weather for oh. it. It will be warm tomorrow, but Great. at 7 o'clock, that will be wonderful down there. Make sure you get along. I'm still contemplating getting along to at least one of these bonds. So yeah. really looking forward to seeing our Giants um, deservedly be favourites go into this and hopefully get the job done and get into that championship. And 43 years, he mentioned. Yeah, since the Claxton Shield's been in South Australia. Wow. We'll just, uh, yeah. It's time. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. All right, it's AFL Thursday. Time for a men's analysis of the, a couple of AFL teams. All thanks to Toolkit Depot, your one-stop shop to get back on the tools. New year means new gear at Toolkit Depot. Well, that's the thing about, that's what I like about. Yeah, that's the thing about, the thing about All right, men's uh, time to look at another couple of AFL teams. First up, it's the Gold Coast Suns. It is the Gold Coast Suns, and we're going to touch on a couple of the ins and outs. Ben Long is there in from St Kilda, and they're out. Josh Corbett, Isaac Rankin is a big loss, and Jack Bowes um, was in and out of the side, but that uh, that depth will certainly hurt there on that with the Suns. All right, so what are their strengths? Yeah, so I think the strengths of the Sun has to be their dynamic key forwards. Now, they regain Ben King after he ruptured his ACL, missing all of last season. If you pair him with Mabby Ochoa and Jack Lacocious, and you've got Levi Casbolt as cover, all of a sudden the tall forward stocks at the Suns look really dangerous. I agree. Um, King back into that lineup just makes them so potent up forward. He does. What about the weakness side of... Yeah, we're going to go to the other end of the ground and we're going to say the lack of height and experience in the Suns' back line is something that is a little bit concerning for Stuart Jew. Now, they've got Sam Collins, Ballard and Graham. They're, they're all decent players, but they're all 195 centimetres as their key defenders. So they might struggle against the big key forwards in the competition. And the other thing is too, none of their mainstays back there in Graham, Collins, Ballard, Powell or Long have played over 100 games and are obviously not household names. So therefore, opposition four lines going into games will carry a sense of confidence against the Suns this year. The pressure gauge. Yeah, the pressure is high on the Suns and on Stuart Jew. Now, they have backed him in. However, the Suns came into the league in 2011 and have the highest they've finished on the ladder in over 10 years is 12th. Bonds. 12th is the highest they've ever finished. Now, that is that is beyond deplorable. They must show that they are capable of challenging for finals this year. Who needs to improve on their list? Yeah, so I think these guys need to improve. They are good players. But if the Suns are to play finals, they need Matt Rao and Noah Anderson, picks one and two in the 2019 draft, to take their games to another level to complement Took Miller in the midfield. Now, they're both still just 21 years of age, but with nearly 100 games of experience between them, they need to play above their age group for the Suns to be finals bound this year. Agreed. Who do you see as the most improved at the Suns? 
I think Elijah Holland, for mine, could be a very good nice. footballer. And with his running ability, I think that he can really stamp his name on that wing spot at the Suns and put the rest of the comp on notice if he can have a really good run at it. Their best and fairest for the year? Yeah, we don't have to overthink this one. Tuke Miller, his running ability is incredible. He gets to so many contests. I just think he's going to accumulate best and fairest votes like he does Brownlow votes. Their premiership window? It's 7 p.m. for mine. Now, the reason I say that is they've still got young guns in Rao and Anderson, so they they still have a younger list at times. But a large part of their core are coming into their best years of their career, and they have the seventh oldest list in the comp. So it's not as young as what you think. They are not kids anymore, and they need to play like that. And where will they finish on the ladder, men's? Found this one really difficult, Bonds. I'll be interested to see what you think. Uh, I've got them finishing 11th. I think that they can definitely push for finals, and that should 100% be the goal. But I just I worry about um, can they put it together? I worry about that back line, and I think that consistency is something they've struggled with and lacked in the past. Uh, 11th for mine is probably the lowest they'll finish, but I've got them sitting there. I'd love to see him finish higher than that, but I think I'm with you. I think they're in that 11-12 range. They have not finished above 12th since they've came into the competition. So 11th, (laughs) although it might not sound like a success, will be a success. All right, let's turn to the GWS Giants. Yeah, so the GWS Giants, they brought in Toby Bedford from Melbourne as their addition. They've lost some big names, though. Matt DeBoer's out. Bobby Hill's gone to Collingwood. Tim Taranto and Jacob Hopper have gone to Richmond and Tanner Bruin has gone back to where he grew up in Geelong. So there's some massive losses there for the Giants this year. What are their strengths, the GWS GWS Giants even? Yeah, the strengths of the Giants are their gut-running mids. Now, they have mids that cover the ground well and must make opposition mids accountable. With the running ability of Josh Kelly, Tom Green, Lockie Whitfield, Stephen Coniglio, Harry Perryman and Callahan, they are standouts. They cover the ground so well. This midfield needs to be good this year and needs to show that they are a strength of their team. Pressure gauge. Yeah, the pressure gauge is mild. Now, they've got a new coach in Adam Kingsley who will be given time to implement his game plan. They've lost a number of A-graders as well in previous years, so that will require patience, and I think he'll be given that patience, Adam Kingsley, to do that. What about the weaknesses of the uh, Giants? Yeah, the the weaknesses of the Giants for mine is their lack of depth across the park. So they've lost so much experience uh, over the past few years. Here's a few names for you. Taranto and Hopper I've mentioned. Jeremy Cameron in the forward line as well. There's a few others, but it just shows that when you lose guys like this, um, but even guys like Bobby Hill and Tanner Bruin who are around the mark, they're right on the periphery of being in their best 22, it means that their depth is really stretched and uh, they're going to need a lot of their young up-and-coming kids to develop. Who needs to improve? Yeah, I'm going to say not necessarily improve but perform, and that is Coniglio and Toby Green. Now, these guys are both on massive contracts and they need to perform for the Giants to be able to compete. Realistically, Coniglio has to return to his best footy from 2020 and Green has missed way too many games over the past few years, some through injury, but a higher percentage through suspension. Now, when Toby Green plays, they are in every game and they win a lot. When Coniglio plays his best, the same can be said. So if the Giants are going to push for finals this year, they need the best they can get out of Coniglio and Toby Green. Well, those two and Kelly need to play 22 games, don't they? They do. And Josh Kelly's another one. I think he's probably had a bit more consistency than those two, which is why I didn't mention him in that. But uh, they are quality footballers that need to lead from the front for the Giants. 
who needs to improve on their list for them to get better? Yeah, the most improved for mine, and it's an interesting one, I think it's Braden Bruce. Now, they had Mumford for a number of years. They they like that type of ruckman who bashes and crashes and can really put his mark on the game, and that's why they went and got Braden Bruce. Now, he's 27 years old at the moment. He had injuries last year, which hampered his season, but I think with a clean bill of health, I can't see why he can't play and impact games more like Sean Darcy does. Darcy's come on in the last couple of seasons. If Braden Proust can do this coming into his prime of his career, it'll make a massive difference for that midfield. Best and fairest for the Giants? Josh Kelly, at his best, is in the top echelon of mids in the league, and they need that from, again, a 27-year-old coming into his prime. His next two or three years could be outstanding in the AFL, and I think he'll win the best and fairest at the Giants this year. Premiership window. For mine, it's 6 o'clock. It is right uh, down the bottom, Bonds, which means it's ha- it's halfway from a rebuild, halfway to a premiership. It's a semi-rebuild is what I'll say because – they are developing their younger guys. They've got some really good young talent coming through. But the top-end talent, uh, the guys that have played over 100 games, Cullen Ward, Phil Davis, Toby Green, Lockie Whitfield, Nick Haynes, Coniglio, Kelly, Himmelberg, and Jesse Hogan, there's some good talent in there. So it shows that they are not completely rebuilding at all. They've got guys there that can help them contend. Where do you see them finishing on the ladder? I've got them finishing 12th in 2023. I think their depth will be stretched and I've touched on their quality. I think their best 22 on paper, when I look at it, is very good. But it, my concern is the next 10 after that. Once they get a couple of injuries, they really fall away. So I've got them finishing around about 12th. What do you think? I think a bit lower than that. I think they'll be down sort of 15, 16, 17 in that, yeah, in the bottom half. I, I thought about doing that, Bonds, I'll be mm. honest. But uh, I looked at Adam Kingsley coming in, who was rated very highly as an assistant coach. I think he'll come in with a really re-energising game plan, which means I think they'll get some wins that they're not expected to. And I'm going to back in the health of Coniglio, of Kelly, of Toby Green. These sort of guys, they haven't had a good run at it. Whitfield's another one. They haven't had a good run, and I think they will this year, which will allow them to win enough games. I worry about the rucks, and I think it might take time for Kingsley to put his game plan in place. So that's why I think early they might struggle Yep, uh, and therefore knock some confidence out of them. Yeah, the only thing that uh, I could disagree with you on and that is you the the uh, <laughs> is the unknown factor. Yes. So as you said, it might take a bit of time for Kingsley to implement it, but they'll come into the first few rounds, and I think they take on the Crows in round one. Opposition coaches aren't going to know how they're going to play. Correct. So the Crows did that a couple of years ago with Knicks and definitely stole a couple. So I could see that happening with the Giants and just really hope they get their best team on the park because it is quality when they're all on there. Uh, The Rucks is a concern, but I think Braden Proust, a really good year is in front of him if he can do it. What about uh, next week? Who you got got for us? For us next week, every Thursday night, Dan is doing an AFL analysis of a couple of teams. We've seen uh, Gold Coast and GWS tonight. It's pretty comprehensive, men's. You put a lot of work into this, and I can vouch for his folder in front of me is stacked full of information. Um, Who are we doing next week? Yeah, well, I try to, Bonds, because uh, I have copped some uh, feedback on a few of the teams and where I've put them. Um, a few people are very happy with where I put them, but oh, other, other people have also questioned it, which <laughs> we love. It's it's great to get different opinions. That's what you want. We want people texting in, giving us a call. 
And hopefully we can get a few next week uh, based around the Hawks, your Hawthorne Hawks. Yes, I'm looking forward to hear what you've got to say about yes, my team. That will be an interesting one. And another team that I think is going to be a very interesting watch this year is the Melbourne Demons. So I'm going to break them down next week as well. So it'll be Hawthorne and Melbourne next Thursday night on the AFL Analysis. Excellent. David Wildey and Malcolm Blight, uh, they own this show. It's their show. We're just uh, looking after it for a few weeks. I hope they're having a good break. It's been a little while now, Bonds. They're playing some golf, I think, so uh, maybe the handicap's going down a notch or two. Uh, well, I mean, they, they do have a good challenge and a good contest against each other. So definitely when they're back, we're going to have to find out who's won more of the competitions between <laughs> the two of them. Um, but uh, they'll be back for footy season. When it comes back around, we, we had them on. They gave a good analysis of the Crows and the Power. So they will, uh, they will be back when the season starts and uh, can't wait to get into that too. And and you obviously playing going around again for the Eagles and uh, looking forward to that. And how's your body feeling Okay. Body's feeling good. Uh, it's when you get to January and you've made it through preseason so far, it is a massive win. Now, the, the next challenge is the practice games that are coming up and they're only a month away. You want to get through that. I'm Bonds. I can't see myself playing more than one and a half games out of the three. Uh, you don't need to get injured in these practice games, and it's happened to me a few too many times. You so. just flash the veteran card I'm to like, Sheeds, don't you? Sure. I might just play one game and then go out for a quarter or so and put the legs up, I think, until the real stuff starts. All right, thanks for joining us. That's all we got for tonight. Uh, don't forget you can catch the podcast. Just go to where you get your podcast, search for Sports Day SA, and it will be right there. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll see you tomorrow night live here on Sports Day SA. A pinnacle of engineering. Kia EV6 GT, the most powerful Kia ever crafted. Right across South Australia, this is Sports Day.